Welcome to the Market Pulse podcast from Equifax, where we break down the latest economic and credit insights to help you navigate today's business landscape. Welcome to episode 11 of our Market Pulse podcast, coming to you just in time to share updates on consumer credit and spending, plus buy now, pay later trends this holiday season. Today, we'll be updating you briefly on the economy and consumer credit, then diving into our main topic, buy now, pay later loans. While this trade line type has existed for years in other countries, it's just now hitting its stride in the United States, with huge anticipated growth this holiday season and beyond. We'll explore how buy now, pay later loans, executed both online and in-store at point of sale, fit into the existing landscape of consumer financing options, including how they affect traditional credit files today or how they might in the future. I'm Catherine Doe, a product marketing director here at Equifax, and I'm excited to be back to host this episode on such a buzzy topic. I'm pleased to be joined again today by David Fieldhouse, Director of Consumer Credit Analytics at Moody's Analytics. Glad to have you back. Happy to be here. And I'm pleased to welcome our own Amy Frazier, FinTech Product Management Director at Equifax, who is our expert on all things buy now, pay later. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Okay, so David, let's jump in. Um, What a year we've had. Um, I was just thinking back to this podcast about a year ago and the types of things that we were discussing, and uh, we are at a very different place. Um, So I'm I'm curious to hear from you, where where are we at in terms of kind of bright spots in the economy um, as a whole, um, and how things are looking with uh, consumer credit and spending? Yeah, things are in very good shape overall. Uh, you know, there's still some cons- uh, risks out there, but um, but in general, when you look at a lot of the statistics, uh, they look good. Uh, U.S. retail sales are rising again. We've had uh, three straight months of healthy gains. Uh, we don't have the November data yet, but when, when we work th- look at the October data, it exceeded seasonal norms. And uh, what we could see, though, in some of that, data is it looks like consumers were trying to avoid uh, potential shortages on the supply chain. Uh, So there might have been a lot of spending and the numbers may have been a bit juiced in in October. So it's possible that December might be a little soft. Uh, And and this is also highlighting a potentially deeper issue with consumer spending that consumers have bought a lot uh, and uh, they may not need to spend as much on goods uh, in, in the coming years because of how much they've spent in 2020 and 2021. So there'll still be um, uh, a lot of growth, we hope, in the services area. But that uh, is a little bit dicier, and that can depend on uh, the levels of infections and confidence, right? It's a, uh, th- these all matter here for that type of consumer spending. But nevertheless, uh, the fundamentals are good. Job and income growth is strong by pre-pandemic standards, and cash is abundant and available for many uh, consumers. Uh, In terms of credit, uh, performance has been really strong. I I think for this type of conversation, we want to really look at unsecured credit. And if we look at uh, 30-day credit card delinquencies, uh, they're down about on an annualized basis, about 100 basis points from a year ago. Uh, so, so that's very strong uh, for, for credit cards. And uh, when we look at balance growth, that's really starting to come back 
but bank card balances are up 4% from a year ago. Retail cards are, are holding their own. Uh, and the area that actually is growing, uh, and I think is very appropriate for this podcast, is consumer finance. We're seeing that the balances in that area are up nearly uh, 11%. So that's a, a bright spot, definitely in the uh, unsecured space right now. And that's great timing and a great segue. I know you mentioned credit cards and, and consumer financing. So let's just jump uh, both feet in on um, buy now, pay later loans. Um, and I really want to tap each of your expertise in, in this area. Um, but I'm going to turn first to Amy to take one step back um, and try to get your best elevator pitch uh, for this trade line type um, and just explain to our listeners briefly in case you know we're not all on the same page. Um, what is this type of trade line um, and why do we think it's going to be popular this season in particular uh, and beyond? Yeah, so... Buy now, pay later is growing extremely rapidly, mainly because it allows consumers to make purchases that they may already be planning to purchase, but buy now and pay later, right? They get to take home their goods either today at, in the store or purchase their goods online, receive them just like they would without using a buy now, pay later, and then pay for them in broken up installments at later dates. So some of the draws of this finance is that Generally, they're pretty quick. They're pretty easy to sign up for. Um, you can download apps um, and just in input a very limited amount of information to get approved. A lot of them don't even require a certain credit score. Um, so it's really meeting that need of extending some credit to consumers who may not be able to qualify for traditional credit payments or are just looking for really an easier way to budget their money. Um, and make their payments more manageable, as well as another um, important spot is that a lot of these don't have interest. So it's another great way for consumers to make their purchases um, without having to pay any additional interest. Thinking about how it's growing in, in popularity, um, are we seeing it grow with any particular consumer segments? And, and I'll open this question to, to both you and, and David, um, since you, you have each of you um, insight in, in that area. Um, and what, what sort of typical credit profile would we expect for somebody who may be interested in this type of trade line? Yeah, we're seeing kind of two primary motives for using a buy now, pay later. So the one bucket is those that are purposely avoiding credit. So maybe this, this falls into the don't want any um, interest, want to free up that cash. Um, and then in these folks, they may already have traditional credit lines, credit cards, um, other types of installment products, but they're using buy now, pay later just as an additional way um, to finance their goods. So they don't necessarily um, lack access to credit, but it's just a convenient way to pay for what they need to buy. So that's kind of one, one segment. Another segment are those who may not qualify for the traditional credit products. So they may be thin filed, they may be brand new to credit, or they may even have some blemishes on their credit file um, that just limits them from getting access to traditional credit methods. Yeah, and I guess the demographic issues might be at play here as well. I think buy now, pay later is definitely popular with some of my younger colleagues uh, and and so we, we definitely see that segment is um, uh, the, the type of consumer that really is interested in this product category and if we if we step back this is just a lot of this is consumer installment loans to make purchases I mean these 
type of debt, this type of debt has been around for a long time. People in uh, 100, 150 years ago would buy a piano and, and they would it would be buy now, pay later, uh, but it just, it looked quite different. It wasn't on apps uh, and it was really for a larger purchase. So, so now what we're seeing is that this is sort of a niche product. Uh, many cases, the loans are very small in size where somebody who's a little more established wouldn't necessarily be trying to fiddle around with the app, but but a younger person with more time and is a little more savvy in that uh, and doesn't really want to go into the traditional financial system, they might be very happy to work through in, in this uh, this area. So it's it's the, the new digital technology. It's probably being associated more with products that are being purchased by millennials and, and, and other individuals like that. Um, so I, I would say that's probably the other segment that uh, is um, really at play here for buy now, pay later. Yeah, great point. And I, I mean, I've dabbled in some of them myself just to learn more about the experience and, you know, what's required to sign up. And they're they're really easy. You know, you just download the app, put in your information and you get approved a certain credit limit. So definitely meeting that Gen Z millennial population needs of simplicity, ease. Um, but we are also seeing some of the, the older um, generations utilizing them, too. And that was going to be my next question. So for the folks that um, maybe aren't as app savvy, um, perhaps they're showing up to a, a, a store um, and thinking about purchasing something a little larger. Maybe they're thinking of the layaway um, option of uh, yesteryear, um, but they get to take this home um, that day. So that I guess that 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 differentiates it in that sense. Um, but what are we seeing in terms of growth for point of sale? And, and do we have any um, expectations for how this would change to um, purchase a stereo system at, at Walmart and um, how an older demographic might be um, lured into trying this this new trade line type? Yeah, I think Buy Now Pay Later has kind of started with the online point of sale website app um, structure, but it's also the second piece of it is that in-store, um, you know, at checkout while you're in-store with the cashier, you can be offered to purchase via buy now, pay later. So I think um, we're seeing a lot of them come up with full shopping experiences. It's not just about financing that one purchase and that one time, but really trying to engulf the consumer from all ends of the customer journey. So that will help make it more accessible and kind of easier to understand for all demographics as they get more and more integrated throughout that consumer, regardless of age, their life cycle. Um, example, Klarna just came out with a rewards program called Vibe. So the more you spend with Klarna, the more rewards you get and the more um, access you have to certain discounts or even sweepstakes. So a lot of the big guys are really, really trying to become this whole shopping experience hub um, that is centered around the entire customer purchase journey and not necessarily an individual by individual transaction. Yeah. And in terms of growth, if we think about what is going to characterize, I believe, at least 2022 is we would expect to have more growth in sort of unsecured credit overall. Uh, incomes were very high in 2020 and 2021 with all the extra stimulus. Uh, now they're going to come back down to earth. Uh, if if people are still buying goods, maybe not the clip that they were buying them in 2021, but they're, they're spending on services and they're taking those extra vacations uh, and, uh, and 
prices are going up, uh, maybe faster than wages are going up. You can imagine that there's going to be an environment where uh, you do need to borrow more, uh, and this buy now, pay later uh, may be well positioned for for that that growth, right? So credit cards are the growth has it's coming back, but but it's not as strong as it needed it, it is it has been in past years definitely, and uh, and so the, I think the real question going forward is. Uh, what is going to be top of wallet, for lack of better words? Is it going to be credit cards, or is it going to be buy now, pay later? Um, if if the debt levels are moderate, uh, not excessive, right? When you when you have large debt, you might need to go into a credit card. That's not really what buy now, pay later is supposed to be. But if you have just moderate incremental increases in debt, and it's more to balance out sort of seasonal spending and and other categories like that. Um, you can see how this could continue to grow, and and if the companies are positioning themselves to take on this additional business, and and they're creating the networks um, and the models to support the issuance of credit and improve, I, I see good prospects for buy now, pay later. It's, it's definitely a very hot area, and I, when I talk to clients that we have, uh, they 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 definitely are keeping an eye on it. Even if their business is credit cards, they they say they can't ignore it, and they have to get into this space as well. And that's a good point, too. I want to touch on the fact that buy now, pay later isn't just necessarily the short term kind of retail focused. I'm going to buy a sweater and don't want to pay for it all right now. But it also extends into things like airfare, um, general vacations, even healthcare as well. So that it's a little different business model, um, longer term um types of installment loans or even kind of lines of credit that are offered, um, but still the same kind of convenience. Um, most do require a credit check in that regard since it is longer and typically larger purchase, but it's all about the convenience and ease of access. I think the vacation example is perfect because I, I've heard the story about uh, you do buy now, pay later with a vacation, but you can't take your vacation unless you start to make some of the payments along, right? So uh, there, there's ways to uh, ensure that these payments are being made or really motivate the borrowers to make their payments. And of course, that can that allows you to get those low interest rates or non-existent interest payments. But uh, uh, the, the, the way the business models are uh, exist, I think that's going to be um, very interesting to see how it evolves in the next year. Yeah, and we're, we're learning a lot uh, as we go here. Um, but one thing I do want to um, uh, touch on, and, and you both mentioned it, um, is that a, a consumer may have or may take out a, a buy now, pay later loan, but they may have other loan products and other areas of debt. Um, and how, how can a traditional um, financial institution or, or credit provider um, feel confident that today's buyer, especially in some of these growing segments, couldn't be overextended if these lines are not reported? Um, and, and how, as an industry, will we change um, to make sure that we're managing risk properly? It's a great question and one that we don't have all the answers to yet. So a lot of the the smaller term pay in for kind of six week type buy now pay later, um, a lot of those, if not all, um, aren't reporting full payment history to the bureaus. So those trade lines are going unnoticed or kind of swooped under the radar and that full picture of that consumer's debt isn't necessarily seen um, in the traditional credit file today. 
So um, we are encouraging the reporting of these trade lines to help not only consumers help to build their credit with buy now, pay later, um, going back to one of the major motives for using the, or one group of the major consumers using these is those thin filed or young filed who may not be able to qualify for tra traditional credit. Um, but reporting these buy now, pay later trade lines to the bureaus could, could help those consumers build credit and qualify for that that mortgage down the road, that auto loan down the road. Um, so there's a lot of unknowns in this space right now. Um, again, buy now, pay later is in its infancy, but we are seeing it growing extremely rapidly. Um, there's, in terms of regulation, there's a lot of um, increase in articles coming out, regulatory bodies talking about what to do about buy now, pay later in fears of exactly what you mentioned overall, just consumers getting indebted more under the radar and um, making sure that, you know, this is a transparent, consumer-friendly um, financing type. So I think we have, we have a lot to see. This industry is going to grow a lot um, and there it'll be, it'll be uh, interesting to see how everything shapes up. Yeah, and I think we'll continue to see uh, models and data being applied here. Uh, you know, this is still a new, it is still a new business model, even if, if, if I argue it's an old type of credit, it's still a new business model and the, the way people are applying for it is quite different. Uh, you know, you can imagine that repeat being a repeat customer makes it easier to get a loan. You can imagine uh, the type of product influencing whether you pay or not, uh, the type of payment plan and, and, and there's going to be sort of tweaks along here trying to really optimize on these dimensions. The more data that's available, uh, whether it's to the, you know, to the Bureau or, or, or alternative data that's being used here, that's all going to help in that decisioning process. And then uh, the other aspect is what's going to, how will there be changes in the marketplace? So a real risk for buy now, pay later could be that uh, all of a sudden, there is, is some kind of new dynamic that has emerged, right? You know, you're issuing, you have this sort of constant model and you may not be able to break out of that very easily. And if there are real dynamic, uh, real changes in the marketplace, um, all of a sudden that model may not be viable anymore. So that, that that's something that uh, to keep in mind. Uh, it, it, these loans are so short, hopefully they're immune to the economy for lack of better words that you know there's only a, how bad can things get in four months uh it, it, it's uh, or four weeks right it's it's very difficult to kind of deteriorate that quickly that you wouldn't be able to make the payment but um but it, it still could happen um and so we have to see how the how defaults will change um, with the business cycle and really I think the growth in in the marketplace too, uh, how the market grows overall with the business cycle, I think that will be the interesting question uh, as well. And then the, the lenders may also see additional regulations coming in as, as they grow. I mean, I, I definitely agree with what Amy's saying. There, there's aspects in terms of the just issuing the credit and, and what do you... Um, disclosing to to your borrowers but uh, these are, are still lenders and once you grow to uh, keep growing and growing and, and the business becomes sizable uh, you have additional uh, demands from your accounting uh, regulations from your uh, you know banking type regulations start to uh, can potentially kick in even if you're not a maybe a bank you don't have a bank charter but maybe you're, you're kind of a pseudo shadow bank there's still types of regulations that uh, uh, you need to abide by so uh, the bigger you get the more regulations uh, will exist 
And we're seeing some movement too globally, like in the UK and Australia, um, who are starting to um, impo- not impose, but kind of uh, survey the area for buy now, pay later regulation. And some of the big providers are kind of reacting proactively and updating their disclosures, making it more upfront, their terms to the consumer. Um, another big question is around returning merchandise and how that could impact the consumer. And, you know, now you have another uh, middleman to go through versus just the retailer from the consumer's perspective. So um, we're seeing globally some big buy now pay leaders trying to proactively address this, come out with more return locations to speed up that process and the refund on that account, um, as well as some more kind of robust credit checks, depending on the the loan type and the, the amount. So we'll probably be seeing similar um, things in the U.S. as it continues to rise. It'll be also interesting to see with holiday spending this year too, kind of what that does to the buy now, pay later space in the next few months. Okay, well, thank you both. This is obviously uh, a topic that's evolving in real time, um, and I hope you'll both join us back again soon um, to continue the conversation. Again, that was David Fieldhouse, Director of Consumer Credit Analytics at Moody's Analytics, and our own Amy Frazier, FinTech Product Management Director here at Equifax. Again, there's a lot to cover on Buy Now, Pay Later, so we're planning a longer-form, insight-packed update on this topic in an upcoming Market Pulse webinar. Our Equifax teams are hard at work with new analyses of buy now, pay later data, and we're eager to share that with you in the market. You can register to join us for that webinar or more in our series by visiting equifax.com slash marketpulse. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date and consider posting a review to let us know how we're doing. You can also email us at marketpulsepodcast at equifax.com to suggest topics for future podcasts or webinars. I'm Catherine Doe, and that's a wrap for today. Happy holidays, y'all, and thanks for listening. The information and opinions provided in this podcast are intended as general guidance only and are subject to change without notice. The views presented during the podcast are those of the presenter as of the date this podcast was recorded and do not necessarily reflect official positions of Equifax. Investor analysts should direct inquiries using the Contact Us box on the Investor Relations section at Equifax.com.